Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Let's uh, open our Bibles this morning to the 12th chapter of Matthew. We'll actually be finishing up chapter 12 today. I um, the the preparation for this message today has been unique, and and I say that because the timing of it and the the time spent uh, varied. Normally, I have a, I have a routine that I like to get in each week to where I do certain things, and this week that that routine just kind of went out the window. A lot of stuff going on. Um, we had a great opportunity yesterday. Some of our guys. Uh, we're able to go and help serve at this uh, at the Guardian Classic, which is the second annual uh, bass fishing tournament on Lake Murray to benefit veterans. And it was a wonderful day, long day, but wonderful day yesterday. And uh, so that kind of rerouted some, some of my um, last-minute prep time, kind of where I like to get zeroed in before today. But uh, the reason I tell you that is because the title of the message is different. So I had something in my mind this week and thought it would be appropriate, but even just this morning, it changed a little bit. And so, um, so here, let me explain. The, the title of the message today is not what you see in your bulletin. It is, here's your sign. Now, that phrase may mean some things to one and some things to another, but let me explain what it means to me. It is so easy to miss something obvious. It can be right there in front of you, but if you're just not paying attention, you, you, you'll just miss it. It'll just go right past you. And so uh, I appreciate people who can make me laugh based on just pointing out things in everyday life. You know, it's not like they're coming up with something really creative. It's just they're commenting on things that, that happen in life, and it's hilarious. And so, to try to demonstrate what I'm talking about, I want to take about three minutes and show you a video clip of what I mean when I say, here's your sign. I do joke about her, y'all, but you know, she, I love her to death. She gave me two beautiful kids, and I look forward, I look forward to getting old with her. And I, I tell you, a great little story happened not too long ago. My son, uh, who plays piano now, he's getting really good at it, and we were sitting in the den the other day, my wife and I was watching TV, and he comes in and he goes, hey, Dad, I'm going to play you a song on the piano. I said, hey, great. So I go into where the piano is and he goes, I'm going to play you a song from Harry Potter. And I said, oh, cool, the movie? He goes, nope, the book. Here's your sign. Oh, we've had some good ones this year. I was talking about hunting. Last October, I went hunting down to the ranch. And uh, I had, again, my camouflage pants, camouflage jacket, camouflage ball cap. And we did the morning hunt. Didn't get anything. Well, I had to go into the Walmart at lunch to get some supplies. And I walk in the front door of the Walmart, and the greeter goes, You been hunting? <laughs> I said, Nope, I'm on my way to a tree-hugging party. <laughs> Here's your sign. <laughs> I'll tell you what my wife did. I was uh, booked on this corporate job, 
And uh, it was in Arkansas, and we, it was a morning show, so we had to fly in the night before on this little puddle jumper airplane in this remote airstrip at night. I was not thrilled. When we landed on the runway at night, we hit a deer with our airplane. <laughs> you cannot make this up. And it killed the deer, it wrecked the engine, we had to evacuate the plane. Well, they put us in this little minivan, and they bust us back to this terminal, and, and I'm laughing at this point, because this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, how do you hit a deer with an airplane? <laughs> so I called my wife on the cell phone. I said, baby, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> we just hit a deer with our airplane. And there was a silence on the other end of the line, followed by, oh, my God, were you on the ground? I said, nope, Santa was making one last run. <laughs> Here's your time. And I had one almost got me thrown in jail. I took my wife to Europe this year, and we'd been over there for a couple of weeks. We bought a couple of paintings about that big, you know, about 11 by 15. And they were too small to check, and we didn't want to get them damaged, so we just carried them on the airplane. Well, our plane lands from Frankfurt, Germany, into Los Angeles for customs. We walk off the plane into customs. We're holding the paintings in our hand, and the customs agent goes, did y'all buy them paintings outside of the country? <laughs> no. No, see, we carry this one all the time with us. And my wife painted this one while we was waiting in line. <laughs> Here's your sign. God bless you, Denver. Thank you very much. So that's funny, right? Obvious things that you don't pay attention, you miss the obvious. It's right there in front of you. Of course, the deer was on the ground. Of course, you, you didn't hit a flying deer, right? But if you speak before you think, you don't pay attention to what's in front of you, and you miss the obvious. So here's what happens when that happens in spiritual things. You can walk around where Jesus is, you can listen to what Jesus says. You can gather with the church on Sunday and Wednesday. You can hear what is in the Bible. You can read the Bible for yourself. And you can still have the audacity to look Jesus in the eye and say, Well, Jesus, if you would just do something for me, then I'll believe in you. Really? As if he hasn't done enough already as if you can't write a, a book about what Jesus has done. And if we're not paying attention, we just miss it. So today we're going to finish up this portion of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 38 through 50. And we'll see what the Pharisees uh, do again in, in their ignorance. And we'll see some things that I believe are, are very helpful for us trying to move forward and not miss the obvious. So if you would follow along with me, this, the words will be on the screen as well. Verses 38 through 50, Matthew chapter 12. Here's what the Bible says. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. 
For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. And while he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts very clearly this morning. Help us to understand. And most of all, help us to obey. We pray this for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen. This text could easily be confusing. And it takes some repetition. Let me read this a few times over and over. Let me uh, really dive into what's being said. Let me maybe look up some things and uh, say, okay, what, what, what's being said right there? Let me go look in a Bible dictionary or, or try to find out what's happening here. It takes some effort, but the meaning is there. So there's three things that I believe that's in this text that will help us as we move forward in our relationship with God and try to not miss the obvious. The first one is this. Believe in Jesus without delay. Believe in Jesus without delay. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know what circumstances lie ahead of us. We, we don't really know much of anything. And so many times we, if, if, and, and tell me if you can't identify with this, I believe many times we will make decisions and plans for our lives, for the lives of our family, based on things that are completely unknown to us. We're, we're, we're planning for the future, and we don't even know what the future holds but we know who holds the future. And perhaps it would benefit us more if we were to then get in touch with our God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But you've got me right here in your hand, and, and so I'm going to trust you for whatever lies ahead, but perhaps God could speak into our situation a little bit more than we uh, are allowing Him to, and that would be helpful for us. So if we believe in Jesus without delay, I can only 
think that that would speed up that process, right? Let me get in touch with God. And so, you see in this text, the very first thing, the very first verse, and this is kind of what led my thought process, the Pharisees want Jesus to perform a sign. Really? I mean, if you've, been, if you've been with us here, and you've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew with us here, and you've watched every week, week after week, what, what is Jesus doing? Healing people, miracles, left and right. And the Pharisees are with Him, watching every step of the way. So they see what He's doing. They just saw last week, He healed a demon-possessed man who was both blind and mute, and all of that went away because Jesus healed him. And that, that just happened. And yet, today, here we are, Jesus, if you, you need to perform a sign for us so we can believe you. It just doesn't even make any sense. They're, they're so intent on their uh, rebellious, evil, wicked direction, they're not paying attention at all. They're just thinking about what... It's almost like... You ever had an argument with somebody? And you can tell that every time you're speaking, they're not really listening to you at all. They're just sitting there thinking about what they're going to say next. So, so it doesn't matter what you say. They're not paying attention. They've got their argument in their mind. It's not going to change. It doesn't matter what you say. So, so why do you even waste your breath? Right? Here's the Pharisees. Doing the exact same thing. They are so intent on their plan to dismantle whatever Jesus is doing, they're not paying attention to what is... Everybody else is seeing it. You know, the crowds are amazed at everything Jesus is doing, and they're even saying, this, this is the Messiah, right? They're, they're asking those questions, because they see, and the Pharisees are just blind. David Turner writes that the Pharisees' reference to Jesus as teacher appears respectful, but those who address Jesus as teacher in Matthew's Gospel are not believers in Him. It's almost like you can read it and you can hear the sarcasm, right? Because they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe He's a, a rabbi. They don't believe He's a, a good teacher. They just want to get rid of Him. And so it's, it's an act. And so Jesus answers them. He first calls them an evil and adulterous generation. That's not good. But, but what characterizes that generation? You always want to see a sign. And, and so that, if you're kind of putting that together now in an odd kind of way, that's what led me to that title. Well, okay, here's your sign. You're, you're stupid, first of all, Pharisees. You're not paying attention. Jesus is doing all this stuff in front of you. You're not seeing it. And so you're not going to get another sign, Jesus says. He mentions two things. If you look at the text here, uh, down to verse 42, these, these few verses here, he talks about Jonah, and he talks about the queen of the south. So those two scenarios, Jonah, of course, we know the, the minor prophet Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and preach, and he first rebelled and got in the ship, tried to go the other way, and you know how that worked out. Not too good. And so they throw him overboard. God appoints the fish to come swallow him. He prays in chapter 2. Uh, and then God delivers him out of the belly of the fish. He actually goes and uh, obeys this time. He preaches. But you remember what happened? What happened when... Now granted, he was pretty gnarly looking because he just got thrown up out of the gut of a big fish. And so he probably smelled bad, probably looked bad. But he's walking through Nineveh preaching the message God gave him. And you remember the reaction? 
the whole nation from the top down, the king, they repented. Right? They, they heeded the message. If you look at uh, Jonah 1.17 and, and then the, the rest of the story uh, after he gets there in chapter 3 and the response of the people. And so look what Jesus says here. This is the only sign you're getting is the prophet Jonah because he was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster. The Son of Man is going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's talking about crucifixion, burial, resurrection. But then look at verse 41. Oh, and by the way, the people of Nineveh are going to testify against you at your trial. And they're going to proclaim you guilty because when they, they heard the message Jonah preached and they repented. And look what he says at the end of the verse. Something greater than Jonah is here. So see, Jesus is saying, you think that the people heeded the message Jonah preached. I'm the one who gave Jonah the message he preached. And I'm standing right here in front of you. And you're not, you're not listening. So you, you don't get another sign. Then he talks about the queen of the south. If you recall, this is the queen of Sheba. Literally, this translated the south. Who traveled a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now, why would she do that? God had granted Solomon great riches and great wisdom. No one had as much wisdom on earth as Solomon at that time. So she traveled to hear God's wisdom spoken through Solomon. Right? That's what the text tells us there, verse 42. But look what it ends with, the same thing as verse 41. Something greater than Solomon is here. So not only are those inhabitants of Nineveh going to testify against you at your trial, the Queen of Sheba will also be there and she'll also be on the witness stand and she'll also be testifying against you because she traveled a great distance because she wanted to hear the wisdom of God given to Solomon. And here is Jesus who inspired the wisdom given to Solomon and He's standing right in front of you and yet not paying attention. Here's your sign. And by the way, it's not going to end well for you because these other two situations that I've mentioned, Jesus says, they are going to be a, a testament of how bad it looks for you not to repent when they repented from their exposure to God's wisdom and yet Jesus Christ is standing in front of you and you refuse to listen. So let me tell you a little story about my own life talking about here's your sign. Thursday, you recall what happened Thursday? Thursday evening, a pretty significant storm kind of blew through. Rain, it didn't rain all that long, but the winds were pretty, pretty significant, 60, 70, almost 80 miles an hour in some places. So it just so happened, I'm going to try to be brief with this story. I, I want to get this point across, though. Elizabeth, our oldest, was with me. She had had some, uh, some responsibilities with school and things. So anyway, we were riding together, leaving here, headed back toward Lexington. We're going up Cox Ferry Road. And what happens to me, see, see how well y'all have been paying attention. What happens to me every time I get in the truck and drive somewhere? <laughs> I'm not nice. Is that what you said? I'm not nice. Well, that's fair. I'm not nice. But why am I not nice? Somebody, yeah, people drive terribly, that's true. Some, sometimes, it just seems like 
there's these, there's these big signs about like this. They're white. They have big black numbers on them. And they tell you how fast you can go on the road. Well, I, not everybody looks at those, apparently. Because um, all the way to Keesler Store, almost to Keesler Store on Cox Ferry Road, it's 55 miles an hour. And then you get almost there and it changes to 45 the rest of the way up to US-1. Well, for about eight miles, we're, we're doing about 43 in, in a 55. And then, you know, and every time there's a double line, it's clear. Every time there's a dotted line, there's traffic. You know, and I'm just stuck. And so I'm trying to process all this, trying to be nice, right? Trying to be biblical in my understanding of that situation. But here's what happens. I get up Cox Ferry. I get the winds getting bad. Hadn't rained yet. Get to uh, the crossover of Old Two Notch. Then there's a railroad track some chicken houses, around the curve. There's a little bridge over a little creek right there. And as I cross that bridge, the wind is getting real bad. Just as I cross the bridge, a nice oak tree just starts to do this right in front of us. And we're watching it fall. And there's a car in front of me. And I'm wondering if they're going to be able to stop in time. They do. They stop just in front of me. It falls. It, it goes. It's so tall, though, it catches the trees on the other side of the road. So it's hanging like that. And this little car in front of me sits there a minute, just a few seconds, and then just zips up underneath it. I'm like, okay, well, not the smartest thing to do, but all right. So I'm stopped. The car's behind me. Stop. A, a truck comes toward me. He stops. And the car's behind him stop. We both get out. The homeowner that lives right there gets out. Long story short, I, I talk to the homeowner and say, hey, can I just back up here and hook the chain to this thing and try to pull it into your yard, get it out of the road? And then we can go on about our business. He says, sure, go ahead. Well, it's not, it's not broken enough. It's about this big round. It's still hooked on. It's not coming loose. The guy in front of me said, oh, um, I got a chainsaw. Okay. So you see where I'm going with this? The bottom line is here's what happened. He, cut, he went six feet up the tree, cut it. It dropped. This still stood there. I backed up into the road. It's pouring rain by this point. I put, hook my chain to the base of that cut part, pull it, drop it down in the road, pull it up the side of the road out of the way, and all is well. No, no cars are hurt. No bodies hurt. The tree's laying on the side of the road out of the way. Um, he and I are drenched, but everything's good, right? Everything's good. Why were he and I there at that precise time? Anybody got a clue? You paying attention? Where did I want to be? I wanted to already be home. Because I was behind a slow driver for eight miles. But God didn't need me to be home yet. You see what I'm saying? God needed me to get to that point right at that moment to watch that tree fall and this other guy who had, happened to have a chainsaw in the bed of his truck to get there at that exact time. So he and I, working together, could get that tree out of the road and everybody else could go on about their business. But that wouldn't happen if I'd have been where I thought I needed to be when I wanted to be there. But I was where God put me at the time God put me there to do what He wanted me to do. You tracking with me? That's, that's your sign. How many more signs do we need? Every time I forget, every time I start to veer off the path and think, 
that I know better, I have a better timetable than God does, and I've got a schedule to keep, and I've got somewhere to be, and I'll... Okay. Well, maybe God's got other plans. And maybe if I would just pay attention a little more closely, then I'd be right where God wants me to be, right when He wants me to be there, to do what He wants me to do. We have to pay attention. And by the way, the Pharisees are asking for a sign. Guess what? What would happen if Jesus gave them another sign? Nothing. Nothing. Because they still have their minds set on destroying Him. They, they're just playing. They're just playing. They don't need another sign. They don't want another sign. They're just messing with Him because that's their deal. And by the way, if this nation doesn't repent, then their future is not looking good. That is true of us as well. If we don't repent, our future is bleak at best. Don't delay. Believe in Jesus without delay. Number two, don't waste your opportunities. Don't waste your opportunities. Now this part right here is, can be confusing, but it's not really if you really get into what's happening. What just happened last week in our text? A demon-possessed man, right? Couldn't speak, couldn't see. Jesus got rid of the demon. The man's sight and speech came back. So now look what he says here in verse 43. When the unclean spirit goes away, it's just wandering around looking for another target. Right? But look at verse 44. What happens then? The demon, the unclean spirit, stumbles upon the place where it got thrown out of. Right? Isn't that what Jesus did? Got rid of the demon? But here's the point of verse 44. When the demon went back to check where it had been, you know what it found? The house was empty. You know what that means? The Holy Spirit of God was nowhere to be found. Which means God, through Christ, got rid of a demon with the goal of, hey, you need. there's another spirit that needs to be in here. My Holy Spirit needs to be in you, leading you, guiding you, teaching you. But that person didn't, didn't heed the call, didn't repent and come to Jesus, even though Jesus had gotten rid of the unclean spirit. So look at verse 45. How does that little story end? When that demon that got kicked out comes back and sees, oh look, the house is still vacant. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and get some of my friends that are worse than I am. And we're going to come back and wreak havoc on this place. You know, do you know what happens? This is why I say don't waste your opportunity. Do you know what happens when Jesus moves mightily on your life and you disregard it? Read verse 45. That's what happens. I, I'm a, I'm, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to free up this space for my spirit to come and live within you and make your life brand new. And, and, and all too often, here's what people say to that. No, I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you doing that for me, though. But no, I'm good. And, and are you, though? Because here's what happens. Do you think the demons accept defeat just like that? Oh, okay, you threw me out? All right. 
I'm going, no, 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 no. They, they don't do that. Because they came right back. David Turner wrote that evidently after that first spirit left, nothing good came into the man to fill that vacuum. And so that, that unclean spirit decided, okay, I'll just go get seven other spirits that are more wicked and we'll go live. Look, look what the text says there. Look at verse 45. The last state of that man becomes worse than the first. And what is Jesus' conclusion that he draws? That's what's happening with this generation. The Pharisees, this evil and adulterous, wicked generation, that's what's happening to you. I'm right here. Remember? Greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon. I'm right here. I'm calling. I'm making it clear and plain. If you don't listen, if you don't heed the call, this is the outcome. This is the outcome right here. Verse 45. The last state is worse than the first. So don't waste your opportunities. Number three, last one. Make obedience to Jesus priority one. Your top priority. Make obedience to Jesus your top priority. This last uh, set of five verses here, this last little paragraph, is really interesting because it brings family into the equation. And that can be... Um, a little uncomfortable to, to talk about this in these terms because many people would read this text right here, this last paragraph, and they might say, well, what's Jesus saying here? Is He, is he telling me that my family's not important? you think Jesus would say that? No. And that's not what He's saying. That's not what He's saying. Look at the text. His mother and brothers are standing wanting to speak to him. He gets the message, verse 48. Jesus asks the question, Who are my mother and brothers? Translation. Who is my closest relationship? Now let me ask you all a question. What are the, the biblical priorities in our relationships is it spouse children parents friends what what's number one in our order of relationships what, what is it supposed to be for the Christian is anybody before Jesus no it shouldn't be shouldn't be Jesus is is first then earthly relationships in, in the proper order, right? If you're married, if you're married, it's Jesus, then your spouse. If you're married and have kids, it's Jesus, then your spouse, then your kids. You know what didn't get mentioned in the top three right there? Work. Friends. Does that mean those things aren't important? Absolutely not. Of course they're important but they're designed to be in a proper place. They, they, they're not supposed to take priority over these other things. And Jesus is at the top. He is number one. That's because no one can compare with Jesus. So that's really what, what Jesus is driving at here to show all those around Him because when this happens... And, and he, he's still speaking to the crowds. And this message comes in. Your family's outside. They want to talk. And he says that, that question, Who are my mother 
and my brothers? Who, who is really my family? And do you see what he does in verse 49? He, he, points, he points to his disciples. He says, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he says, Behold my mother and brothers. Now, what's he really saying there? Well, if you want that, that kind of translated, look at verse 50. Who's, who's doing the will of God? If, if you're doing the will of God, Jesus says, then you're my family. You're with me. So what does that tell us? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to obey Jesus. We're supposed to follow the Word. We're supposed to seek to do the will of God in everything we do. Because that's what it looks like. And understand what he's saying. Understand what he's not saying. Okay? He's not saying, if you do this, then you're in my family. So don't misunderstand. He's saying, if you're in my family, this is what it looks like. So it's not, I'm earning my spot. It's, my spot's secure. So I'm going to act like I'm in this family. I'm going to show the family resemblance because if I'm in this family, this is what I do. Right? So it's not, it's not the other way around. And that's important because you have to understand the, the overall message of the gospel. We're not trying to work our way into the family. Jesus puts us in the family and then we function in our proper place. Does that make sense? Leon Morris said, Jesus is not saying earthly fam family ties are unimportant. He's only saying they're not all important. Doing the will of God is all important. Number one. So, so what does that say to us as a whole? What's the conclusion of this text here? Look at the three, the three paragraphs that we've looked at. We need to believe in Jesus without delay. If you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your personal Savior and received forgiveness for your sins and assurance of eternal life in heaven, then there's something that is waiting for you that you are being called to do. And that is you should believe in Jesus. You should trust in Jesus right now. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't put it off. You don't know how much more time you have. You could have another day. You could have another year. You could have another 20 years. But you don't know. Believe in Jesus without delay. And don't waste the opportunities that you're given. When Jesus calls you, when He delivers you from something, when He, when he cleanses you from something that had a hold on you, don't treat that... Um, in a nonchalant manner. Don't act, don't act like that's not a big deal. When, when Jesus delivers you from anything, that's a big deal. And, and, and honor that by then drawing closer and, and following up, unlike the person in the text here. And then obeying Jesus is top priority. I want to do the will of God. And you might say, okay, well, what's that look like? Well, have you, have you read the Bible? There's, there's a few things in there that point us in that direction. And, and there's some that are more clear than others, obviously. There's tons of principles about living the Christian life. But there's sometimes, like you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty clear, right? This is God's will. Those three things, are, that's part of it for sure. Right? So when you, when you read the Bible, you find stuff out like that. You get some that are specific and direct, and some that are principles that we follow, wisdom and Proverbs. But the Bible is filled with the answer to that question. What's the will of God for me? And, and, and I'll tell you a little secret, just in case you didn't know this, and, and you'll, the more you read, the more you'll understand this. Did you know that the will of God is a lot more about who you are than what you do? It's a, it starts with your heart. Who are you as a person? Are you in the will of God with, with who you are, how you live? Not necessarily day-to-day operations of what you're doing, but, but who are you really? Are you in the will of God with your character? See, God gives us abundant opportunities to trust in Him if we just pay attention. Just got to pay attention. It's, it's mostly obvious. We, just, we don't want to miss the obvious. And, and we would be beyond foolish to squander the grace and mercy that God supplies simply because we're either too lazy or maybe we're too proud to trust in Jesus. We think, well, I can handle it. No, you can't. <laughs> Nobody, none of us can handle it. I mean, if we could handle it, Jesus wouldn't have died and, and risen and done all He did. That's kind of the point. We all need Jesus desperately. And a relationship with Jesus is going to cause us to reorder all our priorities, including our other relationships. And what we're going to find is that devotion to God and His Word is really of ultimate importance. And, and so here's, here's the real, real conclusion of what this text is teaching us. When we enter into a relationship with Christ and we devote ourselves to the Word and we start to understand and learn more about what that relationship looks like, here's what we're going to find out. Jesus was never meant to be and is not. Jesus is not just another part of our lives. He is our whole life. He's not an add-on. Jesus was never meant to be an add-on to anything. Jesus takes over and transforms. You remember what Jesus said? I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a new heart. How about 2 Corinthians 5:17? Anybody remember that? If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. He's not, trying to, he's not trying to be another part of anything. Jesus is king, and he, he takes control and transforms. And we're blessed and, and benefited from that. It's for our good, because that's how he operates. Let's pray. Word. For more information.
information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.